Hey everyone, Thomas here with the For Real Movie Podcast, coming to you today with fresh takes on some rotten observations when it comes to that pesky tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes. That's right, today we're going to address that gap that happens periodically when critics think one way on a film and audiences think a completely different way. Joining me is my fellow blog contributor and co-host, Tim, who I am confident is excited about hashing this topic out today. Oh, you bet. (laughs) <laughs> I feel I've like, got plenty I got plenty to say about Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I feel like we've been wanting to record this for a while, so I'm really happy that we're uh, that we're getting around to it because I think uh, I think we have we have different perspectives when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes. Indeed. Well, on that note, I do want to start with your uh, let's start with like how you feel about or or maybe what your relationship is with the tomato meter. Like when you hear tomato meter, what are your initial thoughts and reactions? Uh, for, well, for me, it's um, this is kind of where we split a little bit. I tend to lean more toward the audience meter more than the tomato meter. Um, if the tomato meter is really high, like if they're both high, then obviously I'm super stoked because I think that something incredible is coming. Um, obviously mm-hmm. we're going to talk about some times where those two scores weren't even close to each other and why mm-hmm. we think that is. And I think we have some differing perspectives on why we think that is, but uh, typically, I mean, it's a, it's a passing glance. Um, I mean, if it's really, really, really low, then you know, I'm taking a little, you know, a little, maybe a little more seriously, you know, if it's pops up and it goes 12% or something, I'm like, okay, everyone can't, if every, everyone hates it, then, you know, it's probably crap. But I actually, um, I talked to my future father-in-law today, kind of about our particular blog. And he, he basically said kind of the same thing that most people go to the tomato meter and it's they take it with a grain of salt. So what's your take? Yeah, you know what? The tomato meter. So I happen to fall typically in line with with how the tomato meter um, ranks a film. Um, that's not always, I'm not saying that I'm always like, I always feel the same way. There are times when the tomato meter says one thing and I'm like, yeah, that is definitely not uh, how I felt about that movie. But oh, Wonder time. Woman, Ugh, Wonder Woman, <laughs> Christ, uh, and, and we can definitely talk. In fact, let me make a note right now to to make sure we come back around to to Wonder Woman um, because I have I have feelings about that. Um, but uh, but yeah, generally when the tomato meter is high, I, t- I typically enjoy the movie. When the tomato meter is low, I typically don't enjoy the movie. And I know that when it's in the middle, like writing that maybe between like 50 and 70 percent, like that that place where it's not certified fresh, um, but it's not entirely rotten. Like that's kind of the gray area where I'm like, OK, it's kind of a toss up. Um, and that's kind of how I how I judge like uh whether a movie is worth my time with the tomato meter now of course everyone's um everyone's experience with that is different uh, as as we're going to um 
address, but but yeah, I typically fall in line with the tomato meter. And so I get excited when I see movies in the 90% uh, of the tomato meter, or I get very cautious when movies are in the teens to 20s on the tomato meter. Um, so that's kind of my relationship with it. Uh, and and uh, it's it's I think everyone kind of has to do that trial and error, like is what are you trying to get out of a film and where which which unit of measurement uh represents that best i think yeah i feel like we always do at least check the score um before mm-hmm. going in and i guess that serves its purpose i still feel uh, and this isn't an original observation but it's kind of a misleading um way to judge a film because all the tomato score is is the percentage of people that gave it higher than this score so it could be a 95 percent critic rating but at the same time they they all could have given it three out of five and to me i guess you could say in that case you're not getting a fantastic film you're getting a film that broke the threshold which i think is kind of I mean, we'll get back to it, but I think that's kind of what um, happened with Wonder Woman mm-hmm. being so high. I don't think the reviews were overwhelmingly perfect positive, but they were positive, just not, you know. And and yeah, so just to clarify what Rotten Tomatoes is, because I, I, I don't know how much confusion out there there is about this, but I do want to make sure that people understand Rotten Tomatoes is not a... a, a, a um, Rotten Tomatoes does not give scores to movies. Rotten Tomatoes is not necessarily a film review site. Rotten Tomatoes is what we call an aggregator. What it does is it takes reviews from sources that it believes are are credible sources that have rated the movie and it averages them. Um, So it's really just a reflection of the pool of critics that it has deemed credible enough to give uh, reviews on movies. And and what you said is right. I don't know the specifics on uh, ratings and, and the relationship to the tomato meter, but if I'm not mistaken, is if you, if you have three out of five stars or more, it's a fresh review, two and a half stars or less, it's a rotten review. So it's, it's really binary in that sense, where it's either you give it a positive review or a negative review, and it really just averages the number of positive reviews uh, versus it, with the number of negative reviews. And that's how it comes up with um, with the tomato meter score. And as you have pointed out, that's, that, that can be problematic when all of your positive reviews are just barely positive, which means that there's just a ton of mixed reviews that are, that are you know, are comprising this high tomato meter score. And, and those semi-positive reviews could be... Um low expectations going in. So maybe the, you go in and you think you're getting going to get something terrible because everything before it has been terrible. And it's not fan, it's not great, but it's decent. So you give it a positive review and it ends up, you know, climbing up that score ladder and people that maybe had higher expectations are like, "Whoa, wait a minute. You guys just messed up." Yeah, exactly. And so it's 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 a challenge to um to assess that. And that's why I say that everyone has to gauge their own 
relationship with the tomato meter or the audience score because it's entirely possible that people are like you people go to movies for uh the entertainment or the um or the you know just the ability to turn your brain off or see something that you don't see normally like they're just they're very like low threshold kind of entertainment goals um in which case a lot of people that's what they go to the movies for whereas critics um and and people that are more technically uh um interested in the film are looking at much more than just whether they're entertained or not they're looking at the acting performances the the sound mixing the visual effects the um the script writing uh cinematography right and those are things that don't really register to a lot of these people that are that are placing scores on the audience score right so there's different priorities happening here um which is giving just kind of two different units of measurement um which is kind of why i think it is important to have the tomato meter but to also demonstrate what general audiences or mainstream audiences are also thinking because critics are probably looking at a movie for different reasons than audiences are yeah i don't disagree uh there's been a couple times that i've kind of looked at the tomato score and uh, like you said, it's supposed to be more technical. It's a, they're supposed to be obviously critic. They're supposed to be critiquing. Mm-hmm. And there have been times that I see the tomato score and I, I watch the movie and I, I critique it. And I'm sitting there like, you guys do this for a living. How the hell did you give this movie a pass? I don't understand. And so I'm wondering if there's... Obviously, there's different perspectives all the time. Everybody has a different perspective. But I'm my thing also with the tomato meter is I feel like that perspective leans a certain direction. Uh, tell me more about that. Well, most of the approved critics are actually uh, employees of major media companies. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the guys that I follow, his name is uh, Christian Toto. He runs Hollywood in Toto, mm-hmm. and it's it, it. He's uh more right leaning, but I believe it, it. It seems like because I read reading his bio that he was with the Washington Examiner, which is a major media publication. And with most media media publications, at least the major ones, they're centered in big urban areas. Big urban areas lean either democratic, liberal, progressive, whichever buzzword you want to use for that political or ideological um, side. And I feel like there have been plenty of movies where the tomato meter, I don't feel is uh, accurate because the perspective leans heavily in one direction that simply making a film with that perspective gets a positive rating. So you're feeling like politics actually plays a very big role in how movies are scored. For the most part. I mean, some movies, it doesn't like it transcends politics, obviously. Mm -hmm. And superhero movies are mostly politics free. So you're not really getting a lot of that. But if you look at the discrepancies in like political documentary scores or movies that have implicit either progressive or conservative messaging, you'll see that one is typically weighted more positively while the other is 
basically trapped. You know, I actually, so I was sent this um, image from a friend of mine um, that had two movies uh, um, compared next to each other. And I, I guess this had gone around the internet. So this, this might be something that, that listeners are familiar with, but um, one of the movies is uh, knock down the house um, which is a documentary. Um, if I'm not mis- I, I don't know the details about the movie, but it, it, I think it's um, these um, young uh, or this this there's like female politicians or female people running for political office, and it's it has a lot to do with the struggles of being female uh, in politics. Which you know kind of goes to the the um, feminism movement equal uh, equal equality um, equal equality. Um, That's the <laughs> <a> new one. <laughs> um, but essentially, like the you know the challenge of being female in a male dominated uh, uh, um, career field, right? Particularly one so public. Um, that one has or at least when I saw the graphic, it had a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes from 83 critics and 35% from audiences. Uh, actually, let me go and, and double check what that is now because it's entirely possible uh, that may have changed. And I just want to be uh, accurate on this. Well, I mean, so, it'll probably change again by the time this gets posted. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So here it is. Uh, the, the tomato meter uh, says that it's a hundred percent from 83 audiences or from 83 critics. And the audience score is 18% from a little less than 2,500 user ratings. Um, the image I'm looking at had 35% from 1300 user ratings, which is actually something else that I do want to talk about. Let me make a, a note about that. Um, for us to come back to um but the other movie uh is that that is compared next to is um dave chappelle's netflix uh stand-up special um sticks and stones which i actually uh did watch and the tomato meter uh, this is also one i need to look up because this has also changed sticks and stones um it's actually gone up, I think. It went up a little bit, but here's the thing, right? So it said it, right now it's 23% on the tomato meter from 13 critics and 99% from almost 30,000 uh, uh, um, film goers or, or users uh, audience score. Um and the 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 critic count is a little low, but there is there there is a theme or kind of a something happening here that is speaking to what you're talking about when it comes to politics in film. There might be something there to to observe and and you know discuss as to why these differences, like you know one movie that's very liberal leaning. Um, is a hundred percent while while audiences think it's it's rotten, and this more conservative thinking uh, stand up special is nearly a hundred percent with audiences, almost thirty thousand uh, people, and twenty three percent with critics. Um, so I actually did watch the Dave Chappelle uh, stand up special. I mean, it was only an hour, and I had some time today, so I threw that on and. It's very interesting to watch because I know that stand-up specials have become kind of a, and I don't, I, I, I'm not very familiar with the history of stand-up, um, but just in the stand-up specials I've watched, there's definitely a, there can be a political component or maybe a bigger message because this is, this is the comedian's opportunity to, um, to kind of, uh, 
uh, promote something that they believe in. It's it's almost like when when people win an Oscar and they want to speak on you know whatever um, whatever topic they want to to push. But yeah, so this is kind of their megaphone to really get across a point through comedy, um, and and so that's that's a thing when it comes to stand up specials is having this bigger political message to influence um, people and the. A lot of what Dave Chappelle jokes about are things that are like, I can see his perspective and I can see where he's coming from and I can understand kind of how he has that mindset. There are also things that I'm that, that I'm a little uneasy about. Right. He he jokes. He jokes very. Um, he has a, a, some jokes about um, uh, pedophilia that that whole segment when he's talking about Michael Jackson and. And, you know, being a pedophile and how he didn't think it was Michael, but if it was right, like there was a lot of content in that that's very uneasy and it's comical. But I really feel like a lot of these jokes um, probably belong best in a in a private setting where people know you and know who you are and know um, where you're coming from with these jokes. And and I and I don't know, I can only imagine that that is why um I don't, and I don't know who the source of these 13 critics are that rated this movie, but maybe that is why those uneasy, very offensive, I guess, but also just like really distasteful jokes, um, uh, can, can, can put people off. And I don't think audiences really have that kind of filter because audiences aren't necessarily, they're not publishing for the public, right? They're not publishing for perhaps left-leaning um, publications. Uh, so I can, I can see how that might be an issue with this tomato meter. I don't know. Tim, I, do you watch a whole lot of stand up? Do you have any, um, any feelings about stand up and politics and stand up comedy? Well, see, and I think that that's the, the whole point of stand up is to push the boundaries. So even though it may be really uncomfortable, that's, that's the job. And I feel like there's a lot of, I'm going to use a buzzword here, woke comedians. <laughs> um, one of them happens to be Sarah, Sarah Silverman, who that just, that's really annoys me because she got her to the top by being offensive. Mm-hmm. And now she's telling people coming up that they can't be offensive. I'm sorry. It's not for me, not for thee is not what you get to say. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, I wanted to be able to look it up because I swear it got a positive rating. Um, there was a uh, I can't remember her name. Anyways, she did like super offensive segments that maybe aren't offensive to left leaning people. Therefore, she got a positive rating. I think one of her episodes was God bless abortions or something. Oh yeah. Like if you want an abortion, get one. Abortions for everyone. That's really offensive to half the country. Mm-hmm. And. But those half the country aren't obviously aren't represented equally among critics because if someone like Dave Dave Chappelle says offensive things and he gets knocked down and she says those offensive things and gets propped up, um, that to me is almost that's at least one point of evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, the other you were talking about knock down the house, so that's a documentary is, yep. about um, Alexandria Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Um, there was no reason for that documentary to be made. Uh, they can, they can use the, the whole 
hard being a woman aspect in politics or whatever all they want. But the truth is she was in, once she won the primary, she was in a blue district that would never vote red. She had the easiest path to the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. So when you compare, and then like I'm saying with political documentaries, like that one gets 100%, fine. Okay, Maybe it's maybe it's a quality documentary. I haven't watched it. I don't like the women. You know, so. Actually, what's interesting? <laughs> I, mean, I I tried watching it. I really I tried, and it just wasn't interesting to me. I would say that I, you know, support equal pay for equal work and and having more representation um, in in careers that are dominated by um, you know maybe straight white male people or, or whatever, right? I, I, I like the idea of having more diversity and more equality in that sense. But I, you know, so it wasn't like I disagreed with the topic or kind of got tired of them talking about it. It just wasn't interesting to me. Um, and I, I guess I can go try and watch it again. But, you know, among documentaries, it's it was just, I think I watched about 20 minutes of it um, and found and thought of other things that I'd rather be doing. So uh, it's not, it's not just that one though. I feel like documentaries, they have, I could see the argument that the Al Gore's first climate change documentary is a good one, but I am willing to give ground to make a point. (laughs) Okay. Because everything that he predicted in the first lecture documentary, he either misled or lied about somebody actually wrote a book of all the things that he misled or lied about in the inconvenient sequel. Yet that one gets 86% from critics. It's almost like they didn't do any research. They're just going, I, be- I I am a fervent climate change believer. I love Al Gore. I'm watching his documentary. He's getting a positive score. And then you have like uh, conservative uh, documentarian uh, Dinesh D'Souza, which is kind of the same as the Dave Chappelle thing, where you'll get critic score 18%, critic score 5%, critic score 0%. And you'll see the audience scores up near 90, 95, 97. And it's it, all of this just points to the idea that we already, I think it's fair to say that major media companies, for the most part, lean to the left. That's true. And if mm-hmm. most critics that are being used by Rotten Tomatoes. Now, obviously they're expanding and I'd, you know, we can get into that because I have some thoughts on that too. Mm -hmm. But um, if most of those critics are from major media companies, it stands to reason that most critics on Rotten Tomatoes would lean toward the left. So here's my question, right? So we're hashing out this idea of politics influencing Rotten Tomatoes or or the tomato meter or how movies are represented in terms of quality. I do wonder, um, because I know that there are a lot of people that are are unhappy that left-leaning critics are the ones that are most represented uh, in the tomato meter, which you know, might give more credence and more credibility to, to left-leaning films. But I do wonder what would, what would your thoughts be if the, if the situation was reversed? Obviously it would be much, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, you know, it would be more difficult. It'd be difficult for you to call out your own quote unquote bubble. Because it's going your way. Why would you want it to go any other way? However, we're supposed to have a free 
you know, a free press, a free media, I think that should apply across the board. And I feel like they shouldn't, we all know they're all biased. Mm-hmm. Like every, every news company is biased, but I feel like if Rotten Tomatoes wanted to remedy the problem, you just kind of, you try to find more intellectual diversity. Interesting. And I, and I noticed that they found racial diversity or gender diversity or sexual orientation diversity, but they they added 500 critics to the tomato meter. It was a story that came out, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that there's 500 new approved tomato meter critics. And my question that I posed was, well, how many of those are intellectually on the right? Mm-hmm. If it's already leaning left, shouldn't you be attempting to, and I'm not saying put a bunch of white dudes on there. <laughs> like, like they act like, like, like black conservatives are, or, or female Republicans or, you know, gay Republicans. They act like they're unicorns. They're not. <laughs> huh. That is a, that's a good point. Um, I, I guess just to clarify, it, it would help for listeners to know that even though I don't necessarily consider myself Democrat, um, I do in a lot of my political, um, a lot of my political beliefs lean left. I just don't classify myself as Democrat. And it would also help to know that you typically lean right in, in your political uh, affiliations, if, if, if that's the right way to put it. I, I think it's pretty fair. It's a pretty fair generalization um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you lean a certain direction. Right. You're, you're pretty progressive there, Thomas. You're, I'm, you're I'm slightly progressive. I, so, <laughs> and I'm, you know, the other direction. I think that's a good push and pull. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, I think that us being able to, able to have these conversations, these conversations aren't happening. Yeah. Everyone's in their own bubble. Mm-hmm. nobody's having these conversations. We're yelling at each other from opposite sides of the fence. And I think it's important to kind of get these issues out there. Exactly. And I think that that's why your answer to that, that, that question that I just asked you was a really, really good response. This idea that you need to not just add physical diversity to your, to your a collection of representation, I guess, but to also add intellectual diversity. I really feel like, and this is kind of straying off from from movies, but it, you know, movies are very entwined with politics. You know, Hollywood tends to lean left. That's something that we've talked about a lot. Um, but uh, I think it's important to have that intellectual diversity and. And it's important to be able to have these conversations and to be able to take in other people's perspectives. Because here's the thing is that for the most part, most reasonable people have a reasonable mindset on why they have those beliefs, even if you disagree with them. I think that it's important to know the background on why those beliefs are there for them. And, and I mean, this whole topic is, is, is like another thing that I want to record on another time. Um, when it comes to beliefs and politics, things like, you know, you're talking about abortion uh, in stand-up comedy. Well, you saw that movie Gosnell, um, which I think is is a good example of audiences that really liked it because left or uh, yeah, left right-leaning audiences liked it a lot more than left-leaning audiences. I don't think that that scored well on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> no, and, and I think that part of the issue there with the 
in particular with the Gosnell um, film, it, it also, everything that we've talked about kind of underscores another thing. Okay, we're, like I said, that I believe that the tomato meter, because of where the critics are typically from, skews their results toward left-leaning messaging. So, but I also feel like the audience score tends to lean the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So you'll see, like you talked about Dave Chappelle, you look at the scores on left-leaning documentaries and audience score is low. Mm -hmm. But you look at right-leaning documentaries, the, the score is high. And I feel like that's where, like, there's not a lot of right wing, right wing leaning right, right wing critics, but I feel like a lot of them inhabit the audience score. And that's why I wasn't a huge fan of Rotten Tomatoes doing their whole get rid of the want to see thing after Captain Marvel mm-hmm. or getting the uh, or, or doing the whole you have to have a ticket through Fandango to be counted as. Now, obviously, they are trying to get other ticket carriers. So if you went to a different theater, it would count. But they haven't done that yet. So they're only kind of people that go through Fandango and it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, and it feels like an attempt to to quell like they see it and they're attempting to quell it. That's what it feels. Like. This is a topic that we're going to get to. I do. I do also want to make it clear, guys. So we're not political experts here. We have our own political um, perspectives and our own political ideas. And and if you have comments, please put it in the comment section, send us an email. I would love to engage conversation about this because that's what we're promoting anyway, right? Um, so having conversations about these things and and seeing where everyone's coming from, I think is important. Now, what you're getting at, Tim, is, is a topic that I really wanted to talk about, which has plagued uh, or at least allegedly plagued uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and that is trolling. Um, what do you think about the idea that that people are going out of their way to um, to rate a movie in a certain in a certain way in order to reflect their own or their group's uh, political beliefs or or leanings? Oh, I, I don't deny that there it happens. But do you think that it happens on a scale? I don't don't think it happens at a scale that would, um, I don't believe that it happens at a scale that truly skews the score because they said the same thing about the last Jedi. Yet if you go on any fan page, people are still fighting over the last Jedi. (laughs) It's extremely divisive. We're still fighting over the last Jedi. We have a recording for that. That's the, we have that and that's going to go, go public at some point, but yeah, Yeah. we have, we go back and forth on that. (laughs) The last Jedi is one of those movies where I looked at the critic score and said, what the hell movie were you watching? (laughs) Okay. And to be fair, I I liked the last Jedi. I I think I was just looking for different things out of it. Like I enjoyed it. I saw, I saw it three times in theaters. and, And again, we have a whole conversation about this, but I enjoyed it. You didn't. <laughs> and apparently we just saw two different movies. <laughs> and it does seem like even with The Last Jedi that it's split. It's not a clear split, but it is somewhat split along uh, political lines. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people on the right thought The Last Jedi wasn't very good. And a lot of people that were more progressive thought it was good. So I'm a little... 
I don't know do you, what to think of that. Do you really, have a, but, yeah, I was going to ask, do you have a theory about that or like what, what could, what would cause that kind of split in the case of the last Jedi or even, um, uh, I mean, let's, let's look at other mainstream films. I mean, I know wonder woman was another one that we wanted to come around to. And I, I think that that one is a little clearer where that political divide is. Well, that, I didn't see much of a political divide there. Wonder Woman did well in both scores. You were the only one that didn't like that movie. Okay, so maybe the divide with Wonder Woman is between the world and me. I hated Wonder Woman. I absolutely did not like it. It was not, from beginning to end, that movie just annoyed me. Um, But I think Wonder Woman is, is a good topic to talk about when it comes to, like, feminism and film and where that line is where it's believable and where it's just too much um i think i think that's the difference between wonder woman getting decent scores on both ends and then the last jedi mm -hmm. i feel like they're they're or the last jedi or even captain marvel like to me wonder woman it is the 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 pinnacle of basically feminism and woman power or whatever. Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman is like the strongest female superhero. Mm -hmm. She didn't have to tell us that. We already knew. You know, you went on, you didn't like it. I liked it. But um, with The Last Jedi, you got like Holdo not telling Poe her plan because, I don't know, he's a man asking questions. <laughs> like it was very forced. <laughs> and like... Um, they even gave her purple hair. That just that was over the top. It's like they they were trolling. Mm -hmm. They were trolling people with that. I know you also didn't um, like Rose. I was not a fan of Rose either. But Rose wasn't. I don't believe that Rose was as much of the feminism wasn't forced with Rose. Maybe not in the production. Like Rose was just a characters. Like she was just the character. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like her character. Holdo was like. I'm a woman, hear me roar, I'm not going to tell you my plan. Well, actually, You're all going to die, and I'm going to wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. I think it, maybe this is a little bit of a tangent. We'll come back on track. But with when it comes to Rose, I know um, that there was – or at least I, I feel like I feel like I remember there being maybe not injected into the movie, but the after effect of, of when The Last Jedi came out, there was a lot um, of like – dislike for the rose character because people um kind of felt that her character wasn't necessary and that she was more of a, a diversity hire i guess is an interesting way of putting it how do you feel about that well i i think i was actually one of those people <laughs> um it actually spawned from something that ryan johnson said after the fact after the movie released that he hadn't planned on a rose character he basically was like there's not enough asian women in here i need another one and so he he wrote her in and obviously if you take her story arc out of the story the story doesn't change all that much that's basically how you can tell that he wrote her in at the end mm -hmm. so i don't i didn't see rose like rose isn't she isn't that to me she's just i don't like the character right. i don't like the character arc mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with her gender or even the actress mm -hmm. like i don't think that she's terrible i just don't like Rose. <laughs> yeah, it's not the actress you have a problem. It's the character of Rose and her, uh, and her. It's like saying I don't. I I I don't hate. What was his name? Ahmad? Was it Ahmed? I'm gonna get killed uh -oh. for this. Ahmed Brooks? No, that's not it. 
I can't remember. The guy that played Jar Jar Binks. Oh, got it, got you, it. You can you can hate Jar Jar Binks. Oh, Ahmed Best. It's Ahmed Best. I got there it right. Go. Put your keyboards away. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can dislike the character Jar Jar Binks. You don't dislike the person. Actually, that's how I feel about that's Rose. A, that's it's, a good distinction because I don't think I don't know if anyone likes Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> but it's, there was a lot of people that came out afterwards and said that Rose was worse than Jar Jar Binks. Mm, oof. I don't know. If, yeah, but, yeah. I can. I can understand at least the dislike we, for her character or the how unnecessary her character might have been uh, to that movie. Um, yeah, we uh, we we have almost like an hour's worth of Star Wars: The Last Jedi, so I'm gonna pop back right. over to Captain yes, Marvel. Yes, because you wanted you wanted the, to get to Captain Marvel the, because the last, get off the Last Jedi yes, tangent. <laughs> yes, because Captain Marvel, I know, created a bit of an uproar uproar when it came to Rotten Tomatoes and critics view of captain marvel and audiences view yeah and and it started before the movie came out and you can call it trolling i guess if you want but if somebody comes out and says something and annoys a segment of the population and that segment of the population responds by saying i don't want to see your movie but actually puts it on rotten tomatoes that's not trolling Mm -hmm. that's not maybe there were too many of those people but I don't mean maybe there were too many of those people. I mean, like, not enough people that wanted to still see the movie participated. Mm-hmm. So everyone that participated was didn't want to see the movie. So the score dropped to, what was it, at 20% at one point for want to see, which I've almost never seen before on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And I think that that's a good point. Like, the idea of judging whether you want to see a movie or you don't want to see a movie is completely different from actually rating the film. Um rating a film that you've seen and rating a film that you've not seen, right? Like it's a, it's a different concept. If you give a want to see or don't want to see, then yeah, you have the right to choose either one of them, whether you've seen the movie or not. Like that's the whole point. Well, not, <laughs> well, anymore. not anymore. So, so Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> they did change their, their setup a little bit uh, a few months ago so that that could, um, so that you could prevent trolls. And, and as you were saying, um, well, quote unquote trolls, I guess. And as you were saying, they now verify tickets. Um, and I haven't gone through this process yet, so I don't know how inconvenient it is to leave an audience uh, review uh, by verified ticket. But this is kind of Rotten Tomatoes' way of making sure that people are um, people who are rating the movie have seen it. I, I don't know, Tim. What do you think about that? And do you think it's working? Well, I don't. There's seems to be very little evidence that it changes the audience score at all mm-hmm. um, because they still give you the regular audience score because I think they have, you know, a shit storm on their hand if they only allowed people to who bought tickets to review the like bought tickets through Fandango to review the movie. Um, so but every every I've been kind of keeping up with it every time I see a movie, or every time I'm on there, I'll like click on the audience score, then I'll click on the verified audience score. And I've never seen anything more than one or two percent difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really not. And if you look at the average score, they're basically the same. Like it'll be like four point two seven five to four point one something or four point two one. So I'm like, it's literally the same scores. Just they didn't buy a Fandango ticket, so I don't think that it's accomplishing what they thought was going to happen. If they they obviously truly believe that trolls were dropping the number, but clearly. To me, anyway, there isn't any evidence to support that right now. And so 
And I've I've actually reviewed a few um, on Rotten Tomatoes just without going through the process because obviously I have AMC Stubbs A list. I don't go to Fandango to buy tickets, so it's it's basically the same thing. My review just pops up under the all audience instead of verified because the numbers don't aren't that different. It doesn't really do much. I do remember during Captain Marvel though that a lot of people were complaining and they were screenshotting the fact that they gave it a negative review and then Rotten Tomatoes removed it and said it wasn't verified. So they gave Captain Marvel a positive review and literally in the review said, I put a negative review. I'm only doing this to see if I get deleted. And those stayed. So it's, it doesn't look like they're like, oh, trolls are negative. We're only going to check the negative. Well, how do you know that it's not going the other way either? How do you know people aren't just giving it a positive re- review, even though they haven't seen it? Maybe they're trying to, maybe they're like, there's trolls and they're trying to counteract the trolls by quote unquote being trolls just in the opposite direction. It's kind of that push and pull that Rotten Tomatoes probably shouldn't have done anything in the first place. Mm hmm. Well, you know, this, so I guess just a real quick question, and this is completely conjecture. There's, I don't think that, that we have any way to verify this, but just in your opinion, do you think that Rotten Tomatoes is influenced by bigger powers? More or less. I, I don't, Rotten Tomatoes, I, yes, I'm going to go with yes. No, bold, I, I, bold you know, answer. <laughs> I, I think, I honestly do believe that at least there's, to me, there's evidence that after the Captain Marvel, you know, the whole trolling thing, that they got a call from somebody mm-hmm. that yeah. was like, whoa, this can't happen to our movies. Mm-hmm. And so they probably threw some, like, how does Rotten, I don't, see, it's conjecture because mm-hmm. I don't know how Rotten Tomatoes gets their revenue. Right. I don't know how they get paid. So it, I can't be like, well, Disney paid them off. I have no evidence of that. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like there's something, something's off. Something is suspicious. I get it. So yes, completely conjecture. We're not trying to say that that there is for sure this conspiracy happening. But, you know, just in your own observations, it's more likely than not, in your opinion, that that's that that is the case. Um, I do want to know, just from your own perspective, how much ownership should... Um, how much ownership should be placed on Rotten Tomatoes and how much ownership should be placed on audiences for their perceptions of the film, right? Because Rotten Tomatoes, it doesn't just give the audience or the the tomato meter score. It also lists excerpts and links to the actual reviews that they are aggregating. Do you think that people should take on more of a responsibility or audiences in general to take on more of a responsibility to read through those reviews and find critics that they trust um, in order to get a better perception of the film before they cry foul with this tomato meter that's just aggregating uh, all of these different um, reviews? Well, I'll tell you what, you get a couple of critics right here. <laughs> so make sure you head on over to moviesforreal.net. No. I, I love the self-promotion. Well done. You know, if you're, it depends. If, you, if you're truly going to Rotten Tomatoes to truly like, you're like, you know, it's my last 10 bucks and I don't want to see this movie unless it's good. Mm-hmm. Then it's on the audience. You need mm-hmm. to, re- you need to go through and reference because 
like I like I said in the beginning, the tomato meter is kind of misleading. It's mm-hmm. it is what it is, and if you are like me, it's it's like if you're saying, oh, it leans one way, well, then you have to read the reviews. I'm gonna go back to a review I did last September, so it's been a full year now, but I remember it because I counted the reviews that were counted by the Rotten Tomatoes aggregator, and I actually went because. I couldn't understand. It wasn't a great movie. It, the movie is called Peppermint. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Jennifer it, Garner? It, it, yeah, and Jennifer Garner is actually really good in it. Right. Maybe the best part of the whole thing is Jennifer Garner, and that's basically it. But so I look at it, and it's one of those movies that's in the teens. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why is it in the teens? I mean, I could see 40s. Maybe something like that. Like two out of five critics gave it a decent score. So I began to read the the critic reviews. And this kind of goes back to the leaning a certain way. But I'm going through these reviews. I think it had like 55 at the time, something like that. It was like 50, 55. And I go through and I'm reading just the excerpts, just what they thought was most important in every one of these reviews. Mm -hmm. And a fifth of them were directly related to Donald Trump. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm literally sitting there going, wait a minute. The movie, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. not that it didn't make that much money. I know most people haven't seen Peppermint, <laughs> but I mean, you might pick it up at Redbox or it's at the DVD store for $4.99. I mean, it does have um, a 72 from audience score. So if you, if, you, uh, if you lean towards audience scores, it might be one for you. Yeah. And so, and I even gave, it wasn't a, I think I gave it a seven. So it was like right there in the middle, like on the cusp one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So I didn't give it a great score. I didn't think it was a great movie, but reading the reviews, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like stick to the movie. Mm-hmm. They were, I mean, because the movie's about Jennifer Garner, her family, her daughter and her husband are, are gunned down by drug cartel men. Um, because the husband was in deep with something that she didn't know or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she basically turns into a vigilante. Mm-hmm. But because the bad guys are Hispanic and she's white, this is Trump's America, a white woman gunning down Hispanics in the street. And I'm kind of like, okay, you are counted by Rotten Tomatoes to critique a film. The film has nothing to do with Donald Trump. <laughs> nothing. It is literally a revenge story. Right. Casting Mm -hmm. technically a minority lead because it's a woman. Mm -hmm. And yet a fifth of the reviews that are of the total reviews that are all negative and completely low, like, like we're talking 0.5 or one out of five are all the same type of thing. And I'm like, okay, the movie isn't great, but it is not that bad. And it is not what you're saying it is. So, yes, it is on the audience to read, at least read the excerpts. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just look at the score, you're not getting the full picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, read the excerpts. They, they... Have you ever have you ever seen anything? Have you ever read through and, like, seen kind of a, a message in the critic reviews <laughs> that you were like, what the heck is this? Actually, I don't... So... I'm not quite as diligent uh, about it. I do like, like I said, I typically I know my relationship with the tomato meter, and I, I, I feel comfortable with going with my um, 
with that relationship. And if if the movie isn't good, then I blame myself, not necessarily Rotten Tomatoes for misleading me, right? Like if I see a movie that is, you know, certified fresh and I think it's awful, well, I went based on my own understanding of my relationship with the tomato meter. So I, I put that on me. I don't like cry foul for the Rotten Tomatoes. But there are times when I'm very curious, like what makes this movie good or what makes this movie so bad, particularly when I have an expectation for a film and then the tomato meter comes out and it's completely different than my expectation based on uh, you know my exposure to the marketing. I'll go and I'll read a few of the excerpts to to figure out what what it is. I will say so I'm not that diligent at it and I I wouldn't have had an example um for you and uh before today actually. Um because I read the um reactions to Knives Out uh, which just debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival. It is, here we go, Tim, Ryan Johnson, um, who di- who does a murder mystery film. Uh, and it apparently is very comedic, very funny, very entertaining, but it also has a lot of political messaging in it. Very, And according to the reactions, very, um, very explicit, uh, like clearly knowing what they're talking about and not not like, subtext kind of stuff like very uh, overt i guess is what i'm trying to say uh political references in the film uh and so i thought that that was interesting and i'm actually uh um a little disappointed i didn't send those uh reactions to you tim um he, you'd probably get a kick out of that but but yeah so that was is one of is i guess an example of of like trying to figure or, or seeing like a lot of, pol- of a lot of politics in uh in how people are at least commenting on on the film and and obviously this is at toronto film festival so these are maybe not not everyone are certified critics but like you you have to be very interested in film to invest into going to the toronto international film festival like that is not cheap it is not convenient (laughs) for most of us so going to toronto and watching this film um, you have to be very invested in film. So these are, I would say, credible people who are who are really calling out the politics in their favorable uh, reactions to this film. So Knives Out, and I think it comes out November twenty seventh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I've I've heard some some talk in my own little bubble. Um, we all have our bubbles. Let's yes, be completely honest. <laughs> yes, you know, we have people that that we we're surrounded particularly on social media by people that typically either most of the time agree with us mm-hmm. per se. Um, and I've heard a lot of people be like, yes, it's all one way politically for knives out. And it's, I mean, a hundred percent. It's one of those yes. things. It that- is 100. So it'll be very interesting. I, this is going to be a very interesting one to watch because yes, it is, it is at a hundred percent right now. And I'm sure over the next two months, It'll probably screen at other festivals. I'm a, uh, I don't think it's going to screen anywhere in my vicinity within the next two months. Um, so I'll probably just have to wait till release. Um, but it will be interesting when release happens to see what the audience score is on this. Is it entertaining enough for people to overlook the political messaging or to just go with the political messaging? Or is this going to be another one of those very controversial movies where left-leaning people love it and uh, and right-leaning people get annoyed with how much politics is happening in it. I mean, it could be one. It could be both. It could be one way or the other. I do think, like, there's 
uh, there's been politics in movies forever mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember, even though I don't remember it. Right. I see it now as an adult, you know, watching the movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, and I've talked about this a couple of times before. One of my favorite movies growing up was Lethal Weapon 4. Mm-hmm. And it's not really your type of movie, Thomas. Yeah, not my type. But, but. <laughs> um, and I, I doubt it could be made today because of some of the references they make. But um, <laughs> anyways, there's the opening sequence literally is like they're pulling up and this dude is blowing away this storefront or whatever. He's covered in metal. He's got a gas tank, flamethrower. He's messing up LA. And they, they pull up and they're like, who is this guy? And the main character goes, I don't know, spokesman for the NRA maybe. <laughs> and that's funny. And it, but it's definitely a left-wing perspective because mm-hmm. like San Francisco just declared or was it San Francisco? Or was one of the Californian cities just declared the NRA domestic terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those, I didn't catch it when I was younger. It was mm-hmm. kind of a funny line, but the whole movie wasn't that there was, they kind of, they, maybe they sprinkle in their, their left wing politics here and there, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. Hollywood leans left. I get it. But when the whole movie is that, drivel why would i want to watch it (laughs) and it's it's funny there was a uh article recently i don't know if you saw it i might send it to you after we're we're done here because i have to find it Mm -hmm. i think it was from variety where they they did a poll on who goes to the movies regularly Mm -hmm. and they tried to to make the case that because 12 percent of democrats or leaning left people go to the movies often versus only 6%, 6% of Republicans, that that makes up the difference, as if 12% of 40% of the country <laughs> is something that you should tailor all of your movies to. Right. So let's see, twelve. Per, let's just go 10% of 40 is 4%. So one out of every 25 people is who they're going to get with those movies. Mm-hmm. And they're going to leave out the other, you know, 96 out of 100 people with that messaging. You could sprinkle mm-hmm. it in, but it's obvious that you're not I, – I felt like that was a really poor attempt at making the case that audiences want left-leaning films. There's definitely a niche for each of those. Um, but right. I think most audiences just want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. They don't, and a lot of audiences – even some that do lean left, lean right, or middle, they're actually going to the movies to be entertained, to get away from everything that's happening in day-to-day life. Right. Like, it's exhausting to pay attention to politics all the time. It really is. Seriously, if you are always paying attention to politics, you have to take a break sometimes. Like, I, I'm an avid NPR listener, and sometimes I'm just like, I swear, if you guys mention that topic one more time, I'm just not... I'm not going to be paying attention. I think just news in general, news, media, politics, it, it they really run it into the ground a lot of times. Uh, 
and I think that goes on both sides. I think that's just the nature of re- reporting news and in politics. You know, you, you're trying to reach people and and report on the latest information and and breaking news and you know how much information can we get out to people. So so yeah, you're right. It is it is incredibly exhausting. And I think you're right also in the sense that movies are typically an escape from that. I think the only caveat. Um, that I would say to that is movies is an escape from that unless it's it's excessively agreeing with you, <laughs> and then you don't. Touche, touche. I, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I just since we're talking about the tomato meter, I get that there's movies that are made like I'm not going to go see. I'm, well, I'm not going to go watch Knock Down the House. Why would I watch Knock Down the House? Right. It's it's preaching. I don't like that. Right. I don't. I don't yeah. And what you just said is very interesting. You said preaching to the choir. This is something that I read on the critics' ratings on right-leaning topics all the time. Mm-hmm. They'll say, it preaches to the choir. Well, doesn't Al Gore's second documentary preach to the choir? Doesn't um, Knock Down the House preach to the choir? You didn't make that for me. You made it for a particular audience. You're preaching to the choir. Why is it that only one, at least with those particular reviews, why is it only one side is always preaching to the choir? Right. And I mean, sure. Filmmakers have a right to do that. If you think that your audience is big enough that preaching to the choir will make you money on that project. I mean, you you know, you have the right to do that. I just, I am always pushing for more thought provoking, uh, um, topics, subjects, and, and content in filmmaking and, and, and not just in politics. Like I like my movies to have a little, a little bit of, of thought put into how it's written and made. Um, so that's just me, but I, I do extend that expectations into politics where, you know, I don't necessarily want it to be preaching to the choir. I want you to, to challenge my perception of something in a way that that really um, invites me to think about it Um, and not just tell me what I want to hear. You know Um, I mean, naturally I like to hear what I want to hear, but I, I I personally like being challenged and I don't know how many listeners out there uh, are, are um, in that same boat uh, because like we've already identified, some people just go to the movies to be entertained in that case, you should probably avoid politics in, in films. But I do like to be challenged. I do. I am okay with watching movies or stand-up uh, shows like Dave Chappelle's thing and analyzing where is he coming from with this perspective and and can I – is he delivering it in a way that is trying to help me get try, – trying to help me understand his perspective rather than trying to shove it down my throat – just because that's what he believes, right? Um, and I, and I think when it comes to the Dave Chappelle uh, stand-up, I don't think he does a great job being um, uh, as inviting or um, like uh, I don't know, empathetic. I guess I don't know. It, there's there's definitely a shrewdness to it because it, he's a stand-up comedian, and in, in many cases, he's a shrewd stand-up comedian. Um, but if you if you are just watching it for the comedy, I do think that there are some nuggets that you can take away and be like, huh, you know, I, I, I see his perspective there. And if you're willing to challenge yourself and do that, like that's what I want out of film. And that's something that I look for in, in film and entertainment. Um, so hopefully other people start trying to find that, too. 
that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a hard time believing most people like to be challenged nowadays. Um, <laughs> it, they probably do. And that's why I have to add the caveat. If you're just going to be entertained or if you're just going to hear what people, you know, hear people preach to you that you want to hear, like, cool, I guess, like that you, you free country, you have the right to do that. But, um, you know. Um, but since but since we're on the topic of the tomato meter, the whole point, yes. like I said earlier, mm-hmm. is they can make films that preach to whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to have a tomato meter that's going to score it one way or another, you need to have that intellectual diversity to mm-hmm. push back so that it's not flowing in one direction. Right, right, exactly. So we talked a lot about Rotten Tomatoes here. Just so everyone is aware, there are more aggregator uh, review sites that you can go to if Rotten Tomatoes is not your favorite place to to find um, reviews. Uh, you know, Metacritic is a good alternative that instead of doing the binary good review or bad review, Metacritic averages the score of, of reviews. So Metacritic is one. IMDb has also become a pretty prominent um, place to to find scores for films. Um, also, there is the social uh, network Letterboxd, which is just like a social media for film goers, right? It's a place where you can log your films, rate rate movies and see ratings from other people um, who have seen the film. And I think that the community there is very, um, very film centric. And so when you're reading these reviews, you're reading these from people who are active enough in watching film to have a diary of the films that they've watched. <laughs> so um, that's what Letterboxd is. So there is also letter. So uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, IMDb, Letterboxd, plenty of places where you can go find um, thoughts, opinions, feelings about films, uh, if you're willing to do the research. So there is that that's out there. I hope you utilize those resources. Um, as for Rotten Tomatoes, Tim, I kind of want you to give a tomato meter for Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. <laughs> oh man. That's like writing a review for Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Let's see on a score out of five. Just read knee jerk reaction. I won't uh. hold this against you too much. Uh, what what makes it a positive well let's go by their rules i believe uh 60 and over is fresh and 59 and less is is rotten i'm gonna go with 59 Ooh, <laughs> ooh, middle of the road <laughs> i i feel like if they make make the changes and and really try to not only get you know all the you can like I said, you can do all of the diversity that you want. I am not opposed. Just get the intellectual diversity in there and we are good to go. I think that's very fairly summarized. Uh, all right, guys, I want to thank you for listening. You can find uh, reviews from both me and Tim on our blog, moviesforreal.net. That's for real, spelled F-O-R-R-E-E-L.net. Um, you can also connect with us on social media. Find um uh, for real movie news and reviews uh, on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at movies for real. Uh, I am also on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at being TSJ. Uh, and Tim, which social media platforms would you like to plug? Uh, it's only Twitter. It's at Timmy Bear GOP. Uh, football season has just started, so you're going to see a lot of that. <laughs> Uh, in between any, <laughs> if, if you go over there, you're going to see a lot of uh, of NFL stuff. Yes, before movies you find and, the reviews. 
movies and football. I, I guess that's not a bad combination. I think that there are a lot of people out there that that enjoy both. So your your Twitter page might uh, might appeal to to both crowds. <laughs> Uh, um, just so everyone is aware, I will be attending the Vancouver International Film Festival September 20, starting on September 27th, and it goes until October 11th. So I have 15 films lined up for that, uh, and I might do more depending on uh, how exhausting it is. And I also have to keep up with the, uh, with the mainstream releases as well, because Joker comes out in that period. And that just came, uh, out with a, or, uh, um, that just debuted a few, uh, like a month ago, but is getting rave reviews and just won a super prestigious award at a Venice film festival. So I have a lot of expectations for that. A lot of high expectations for it. Um, but yeah, so anyway, point being, there's going to be a lot of content coming from me uh, regarding the film festival uh, and you can find more information. I posted it on my Twitter. Um, there'll probably be more on the for real Twitter as well. <sighs> okay. Anything else to plug Tim? No, nothing from me. <laughs> cool. All right. We've talked long enough. Thank you guys for listening. We will we will not see you, but we will hopefully have you around for the next podcast. All right. <laughs>